G'day friends of the show. Before we begin today's episode, if at any point you're enjoying the ride or the podcast episode and you're getting something out of it, then there are two ways I'd like to let you know that you can support the show. Number one is by going to ideasdigest.org and becoming a plus subscriber. This will give you access to bonus content, private Q&A sessions with Matt and I, and link you into our private community where you get the opportunity to help shape the show. Now, the other way you can support us is to also go to ideasdigest.org and just buy us a coffee. We appreciate any support you can afford. Thanks so much. All right, let's get into it. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Hi, Conrad. Um, I happen to believe in a God that's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving. So the notion of a devil is problematic for me. Um, the term devil alludes to a spirit or deity that's pure evil, total darkness, beyond redemption. If the devil is beyond redemption, doesn't that totally undermine the authority and power of God? When I was younger, I used to think that if I prayed out loud, the devil would be able to hear my prayers and um, hijack them or whatever my fears were. So I avoided praying out loud. Now, I'm more of the opinion that the historians are right and the devil is some mishmash of old Zoroastrian um, characters of evil. I'm at a point in my theology journey where I no longer believe in hell as an eternal conscious torment, but when it comes to the devil, I feel an almost instinctive reaction to say, yes, of course, the devil is literally real. How else could we explain the existence of incomprehensible pain and suffering, evil, corruption? If God is the source of everything good, it feels natural to me to blame the devil for everything bad instead of questioning whether God orchestrated those bad things himself. There there needs to be someone to blame. There needs to be a concrete figurehead to a spiritual struggle, someone to name, someone to fight against, someone that's not God. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the podcast where we explore challenging ideas that divide us in an attempt to open our minds, Matt. My name's Conrad. This is Matt. And Matt, I've got a new idea we're going to try on. See how it fits. Yeah. You're not discussing anything about where we are right now. It's not different. Oh, well, I suppose well, I was just <laughs> podcast land. They can't see that things are different. Right, right, right. But they might, they might hear the vibes a little okay. bit different. Yeah, yeah. We are currently in this, what is it? What is that? Matt's studio or like the, the, it's, it's going to be patriarchal. It's going to be a cool name for it. We're in a home in the suburbs, the in suburbs. a spare room yep. because Matt must be nice. Very. <laughs> Doing well for himself. He's got a spare room and we're in the same room. And I think that's what's exciting. So without wasting anyone's, anyone else's time further, I've got an idea I'm going to try on that. Tell me about we're it. We're going to see how it fits. But I'm going, to let you, I'm going to give you a bit of clickbait. The devil is real. <laughs> Just releasing some PTSD. <laughs> I mean real, Matt. Like real. Are you ready? Should we be honest about where... 
really the the inspiration for the story came from. Well, you can. Because this guy's story you're going to tell uh, is someone that... You put me onto it. Yeah. It's someone that has definitely impacted me. Like, I can't begin to explain some of the level of anxiety that this guy put in my mind around the supernatural or my previous belief systems. And what you're about to hear is quite an elaborate story. Almost of, like a theology forming yes. story, picture of the universe. World forming. Mm. It's, it's huge. So you kind of know this story. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you. I haven't heard it in a while, but okay. I, you know, it's deep there within the PTSD corridors. If I start reacting or I start, okay. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> we got water. We got some water. We got some water. <laughs> if you need it. But I, I hadn't heard of this guy mm. or read his story, mm. but we grew up in the same church. I was on the progressive liberal arm, the God is love arm, some might say. <laughs> Matt was on the- It wasn't fully like- <laughs> I don't know. Are you making it out? Like, <laughs> it was a bit more. Uh, but but as I was reading this book, I realized, oh, this is this is mm. the book. I heard these stories through people. People would say things, and I'd go, oh yeah, mm. people think that. And hearing this, I go, this is where it came from. Yeah, this is where. You know, there's interpretations of the Bible, but then I feel like reading this, I'm like, this is where the interpretations of the lens that people were reading it through came from. Yeah. So, you know, Baptists might read the Bible and have a certain picture and Adventists would read the Bible and yeah. this is like, I feel like it's like founding literature for sure. Yeah. Just based on what I heard growing up and then reading this, the picture just came together. Now I understand you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so we'll let the listeners in on the, the book. The book I read was um, Seduced by Darkness is the book. And I think there's very different versions of the book mm -hmm. and it's by a bloke called Roger Morneau, French Canadian. Yeah. I've, I've, all over these years since I've known his name, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that last bit. Is it Monet or Monet? I don't, I'm not sure. I'm going with my first one. Yeah. Okay. An Australian butchering names. <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> so his name is Roger Morneau, Canadian bloke raised by two devout Catholics. Mm. So I think maybe around Montreal, you know, French mm. Canada. So he's, primarily a French speaker. And he describes his parents, to give a bit of background, as like really caring people, but mm. with a very stereotypically Catholic transactional view of God. So he remembers sitting on the front porch one day and a horse and cart go by. So this is, I guess he's talking like 30s, 40s. Mm. Um, you know, cars are around, but obviously not everyone was rich enough to have one out in the farms. So a horse and cart go by and there's a body on it with a, like a covering on it. And they're sitting there going, oh, that's, you know, that's sad. Someone's, someone's just died and his parents are there. And, and, and one of the blokes with the, um, with the cart comes up, I guess, talking to the neighbors going, yeah, it's really tragic. You know, this guy, it's actually, he used to work for you. You kind of know him. Yeah, he's, he, he's dead now. And like, mm, that's, uh, you know, that's really sad. And, they, and the person who's talking to his parents saying, it's really sad because they were poor. And, and this guy died without the priest being able to give his last sacrament. So, he can't really be forgiven for his mortal sins. And so, mm. um, uh, you know, and so his dad, Roger's dad, he goes, mm, that's, that's actually really sad. Well, how about, you know, we'll put in some money to have um, some masses celebrated for his soul so he can kind of get out of purgatory. And the guy goes, listen, mate, I, I honestly, I wouldn't bother um, because this guy was known to have sticky fingers, bit of a stealer. Yeah, wow. You know? um, and he's like, in fact, I actually think he probably stole from you. And Roger's dad's going, oh, really? Right, okay. Well, as of this moment, 
I will give him everything that he's borrowed from me. It's his now. I, it's his. So if that gets him out of eternal damnation and gets him into purgatory, then maybe he's got a shot mm. by having these masses celebrated and a bit of like more prayers to help, help him out of purgatory into heaven. I think that's kind of the picture that that's been painted. I'm not a Catholic, so I don't know how true that is to the, to the various tradition, but you know, that's the type of Catholicism that, mm. that they adhered to. And he remembers thinking, geez, God must suck. Like it, my dad got a guy out of hell, but God was going to put him into hell. So he just has that picture of like, this is the picture of God he's, he's working with. And his dad, in some respects, is a nicer, more loving man than God himself. You know? What time period are we in here, by the way? I've, it's got to be 1930s, 1940s, yeah, um, yeah. pre-World War II, mm-hmm. um, or just around maybe it's like kicking off because um, he ends up serving in the war, but towards the end of it. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Um, so fast forward to Roger being a younger man and he's serving in the Canadian merchant navy okay and he did a stint there and then he gets dragged over to the army and does a stint in the army and he kind of tells a story about you know he feels his life's pretty guided you know um but on to on to the interesting aspects the devil stuff yeah the devil stuff so uh roger finishes up from the royal merchant navy and he's looking for a job and so he ends up working at a billiard room which i guess were cool back then and I don't know what I don't know what he did then. And one day, uh, and from now on, Matt, just for the listeners of the show, I'm going to start referring to people like buddies because that's a Canadian thing, right? Oh, hey there, bud. So you know, get you. You've had the, Canadian friends. I've had some Canadian and bosses, friends. and they're always buddies. Like, oh, right. oh yeah, my buddy. Yeah yeah, 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 right. So he's in the billiard room, and his buddy walks in, who he served on the merchant navy ship with a while ago. That guy's still working on the ships. He's since left. Roger's since left and his buddy Roland uh, comes in and they, and they start chatting, catching up and, he, and it doesn't take too much time before his buddy Roland says, buddy, uh, I've got some interesting stuff to share with you. I've actually met a group of people and I've communicated with the dead. And as you do, <laughs> Roger's like, oh, all right. Um, his only encounter with religions as a child, he's since left that all behind him. He's like, oh. All right then. Roland shares. He's like, yeah, I've I've been able to speak with my dad, who's since who's who died when I was ten, and so it was really awesome to be able to chat with him. And he he, my dad was able to give me some advice for the future. So how handy to have dad dad's advice from beyond the grave. And now Roger's feeling he's feeling a bit funny. He's like, oh, maybe it's his religious roots. He's like, oh, geez, I don't know. He's a bit hesitant. And his buddy Roland leans in and says, "Come with me, bud. Come with me." And uh, Roger you know, he just hesitates. He's like, oh, yeah. oh, I need to think about that. That's a question I haven't. He's like, I remember back in the day, you weren't afraid of anything. So leaning in some masculine stereotypes yeah. here. You know, it's the 1940s, yeah. 1950s. You weren't afraid of anything. You're chicken. Come on. You're not afraid. You're not, you, you never used to be afraid. You've changed. Would the pitch be good enough for you now putting yourself in his shoes? <laughs> Come speak to dead people. <laughs> nah <laughs> <laughs> Too much trauma there <laughs> too, I don't know <laughs> Too much in there And so I'm like Nah I, I'm not that Open to peer pressure But maybe in the 1950s When you know that's like, Men don't have to be You know All this stereotype So he leans in And he's like Don't be a chicken Roland's like Alright fine I'm in It worked It just worked on him So he agrees He goes Next Saturday evening 
he gets picked up by his friend Roland and they, I think they're catching public transport around. They're not super well off. So, and they end up in this nicer state in Montreal and it's, they end up going to a nice big Montreal house and they're attending a seance. That's what he says. We're going to a seance and they walk in and there's about, you know, 20 people milling around and there's a medium. Okay. There's the person who is going to talk to the dead. Now, at this seance, there's a few people who've never been themselves, in, well, Roger included, and a few people that kind of didn't believe that this medium could talk to the dead. And the, the seance begins, and I guess they're just kind of sitting around and the medium's there, and, you know, it's probably what you see on TV. You know, everyone's kind of watching the medium. And uh, one man who obviously potentially has never, never um, been to one of these things before, he goes, listen, I think this thing, eh, true or not, I'm open-minded, so he's there. He says to the medium, I would really need to see the spirit of my dead sister to believe that this is all real. And he was like, okay, noted. Thank you. And someone else says, it's like adding it to a playlist, the medium's playlist. <laughs> it must be. It's like, all right, you, you want to hear the favorites? <laughs> and the, another person, uh, this, this guy is a bit middle-aged, just mm. average nondescript guy because he wasn't described. <laughs> so it must be nondescript. And another man says, I want to see the, the spirit of my dead brother. Um, and I wouldn't mind talking to him. I'd really like to converse with him. The medium's taking the playlist, checking, okay, all right, uh, let me inquire for you. So the medium, you know, goes into a bit of a trance, like eyes glaze type thing, different, just whole kind of mood change from the medium. Did she start sweating? Did she start doing any, like, because a lot of stories from particularly I think during this time period when mediums are like, you know, super in is that a lot of them would lose weight because of like a lot of the energy they were expending. Really? Yeah. So it's- you've read more detailed books than me. <laughs> oh, you're going to see because uh, nondescript. <laughs> so maybe that's what happens. Like demeanor change, bit of perspiration. Let's just add it. Yeah, Which yeah, definitely. The color the story. Yes, it? definitely what you were saying. She's losing happening. weight. Okay. He was, yeah, it was she, right? <sighs> I think I said it was a guy. Let's yeah. go with guy. All right. And uh, and this this man goes okay. And then he's he's and he glazes, starts sweating. He's clearly in a trance of sorts. And then a booming voice, like a big booming voice, bigger than this man. This man's average average size guy. This is from like a six six kind of voice you'd hear in you know maybe African American or you know just a deep voice. Uh, Roger's thinking that is definitely not the voice of that man. The medium in this big booming voice it says, "Hi Frank." Can't, my voice doesn't go that deep, but hi, Frank, to the to the man that wants to see his brother. It's so great to finally be able to speak with you. And Frank just goes dead white. And uh, the, so the guy that wanted to see his brother and the medium just start conversing as if they're just old brothers. And uh, af- afterwards, Frank, I guess their conversation kind of ended. They spoke about, you know, what was coming up, how his life's going, how's your wife, how's your kids, you know, just filling his brother in on what he missed since he died. And... Uh, he, Frank just he turns to people next to him. He's like that. That's what he sounds like. That's my brother. That is one hundred percent. Like I'm, I'm, I'm all in. And so this man Frank is sold out. And then the medium kind of you know comes out of the trance and is like conversing. He goes, oh, I've, I've got a very special surprise for you tonight. A spirit is going to manifest itself openly to everyone. You know, Roger's looking around like, geez, like that seemed pretty crazy. If, if I can see a spirit, that's even next level. And then all of a sudden, a massive gust of wind just, they're inside. This gust of wind just sweeps through. Windows are shut and it just sweeps through. And Roger's looking around, looking for the open window, not there. 
and then all and then through walking through the left hand side of the wall walks a woman in this like flowing gown like translucent woman mm. walking through flowing gown just out of the wall beautiful younger woman mid 20s 30s she's wearing a long evening evening gown and Roger's heart just stops he's like holy crap oh, this is a like a ghost like legitimate ghost and then the the spirit woman just kind of stops and turns to the to the first man that's like I need to see my dead sister to be convinced and and she starts saying my uh, my dear brother you're so wonderful for asking for me thank you so much for you know wanting to reach out to me and and connect and they have a bit of an exchange um and and this man his eyes are just like he just faints He's out. out. He's out. He just looks at his his dead sister. Is just gone. So anyway, I guess he comes to, and he. I think he's convinced after that. He's like he saw his the spirit of his dead sister. Now Roger is like, what the hell is going on? This seance is next level, and he just. I guess he's intrigued, and he just ends up like weekly attending these seances. You know, where people communicating with the dead people. Um, he doesn't like fully engage like initially. But over time, you know, it, it, it kind of gets more involved and, you know, just witnesses and talks to people and just get, gets in that community where everyone's just attending these seance, seances. And each week there's, there's new people joining and one week uh, they're finishing up the seance, Roger and Roland, naval buds, walking out to leave. And uh, this new guy and his wife um, walk up to them and they kind of like know them a little. He's like, oh, yeah. And he, he's very familiar with Roger, seemingly, yeah. even though they've just met. And he introduces himself, but he's like, this guy seems too familiar with me. Anyway, th- this guy goes, hey, how about you come with me? Jump in my car. Let's go out to dinner and let's let's keep chatting. And they're having like a good conversation. And obviously, Roger and Roland, you know, they were going to take a bus. But they hop in this guy's nice car. This guy's clearly got a bit of money. And so he's in the he's in the car and they're driving into the rich part of town again. They're always in the like the rich part of town for some reason. And they go into some back street and park and park their car and walk into this restaurant. They walk in and beautiful restaurant. Definitely like Roger Roger's never been. He doesn't go to restaurants like this. You know, mm. I'm talking tablecloths, you know, the guys mm. that put it on your lap and you know, and I guess in the, the 50s, you know, it would be pretty pricey to go out to eat somewhere like that. And the uh, is it the maid of D? Is that the Guy at the front. I'm not sure. The waiter who seats the people, he seems familiar with this new friend that they've just met. And he's like, oh, yeah, table at the back. You want your usual table? All right, in you come. And he's like, ashes them in, clearly knows who he is, this man. He's, he's looking like he's got some status. He's got a car. He's going to a rich, fancy restaurant. He's going to shout them dinner. And so they they get chatting, and then this man gets, gets down to business. And he says, so I... I know who you guys are. He's like, oh, really? How? He's like, he mentions, he's saying some weird stuff now. He's like, the master told me about you and where to find you. And I knew you'd be at, at this seance. These seances, by the way, buddies, is, yeah, it's kind of child's play. It's just mm. kind of a show. More like a spirit. Like this stuff seems pretty intense. He's like, it's not the real power. I, I know the real power. I just go straight to the power. I mean, my my wife likes the the seances she goes because it makes her feel good. But if you if you got if you really want the power, let me tell you about it. 
And it, it turns out that this, this guy they've just met is actually a famous jazz musician. And so he's telling him about his, I guess it's his testimony. He's, he's saying, you know, I used to be, you know, just a, just an average, average guy trying to play jazz, trying to make it in the jazz world. But when I gave my life to the master, I had more fame than I knew what to do with. Just money just started to come. And mm. he's describing how when he plays his shows, he just enters the trance. And he's just, he says he's actually just worshiping the master when he's playing his jazz shows in his like trance, you know, whatever instrument, maybe he plays a bit of piano, a bit of like jazz musician. Obviously. So he's being channeled <sighs> while he's playing. That's I guess the, what he's insinuating. Either, either channeled, I guess, like in a trance. Yeah. So yeah, yeah spirit like, takes him the spirit over. Spirit would be taking over and playing the music yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of what's happening when he's when he's playing his jazz music, and and so and um, his name's George. So just for future reference, this new jazz musician, his name's George, and he just he he just lets him know that mate, mate, this is commonplace in the music industry. You don't make it anywhere unless you've got some power behind you. Um, and if you want more power, I can. I can show you that power. So how about, how about this? You come with me and visit our secret society. Now he's looking around. Now he's keeping his voice a bit down. He's like, the master's told me to invite you. I, I want to show you the secret society. You know, some call it demon worship, but you know, they're not that bad. You know, you've, you've probably heard like demons, the devil, like to be wary. It's all politics. You know. It's not that bad. So it's all cancel culture. <laughs> we're being canceled. The devil's being canceled. And so, and Roger now at this point, he's like, they're looking at, they're looking at each other. They're like, geez, like, hang on. The master, demon worship. What are you talking about? He just leans in closer. Lucifer. And it drops. He's got some flashbacks to childhood being like, oh God, devil, Lucifer, like, Right, like the guy kicked out of heaven, that guy, like fallen angel guy. Jeez, all right. Um, and seeing the looks on their on their faces, he's like, "Listen, once again, it's not that bad." Okay, come and come and have a look. So Wednesday night, I'm gonna pick you up, and they're like, oh, "Okay, like you know, he's paid for dinner. He seems like a nice guy. He's successful. You know, they're people. You know, looking at them. You know, nice yeah. restaurant. They've never seen this before. So." All right, fine. And then Roland and um, Roger walk away. They go, oh, Roger's like, maybe I'll see him again. Who knows? Whatever. But that Wednesday, sure enough, like pulls up, nice, sweet car, picks him up, hops in. Roland's already in there. He's picked up Roland beforehand and they head once again to the rich part of town. So they're in the rich suburbs of Montreal. And they end, they end up going to, believe it or not, an even bigger house. Clearly, these people have even more money than the seance people. Um, and they, and they walk into this house and they're looking around and before you saw some like average kind of wealthy middle-class type of people. Now you're seeing like expensive suits and people who are clearly like lawyers, doctors, the top end of town are in this, in this massive house. And George, they walk in that don't have much time to look around. It's like the worship service is about to start. It's like worship church. What? All right. So they end up going down downstairs. Some Icelandic guys down there, like ready to heavy metal Satanists. You know how like Scandinavia just loves this shit. That's true. Not that. <laughs> We're talking successful, clean cut, right? Like 
not the Slipknot long hair baggy t-shirt. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and so they head downstairs into this like really beautiful, like, is it a cellar? I don't know. It's just beautiful down here. And they, they kind of in these rows, chairs are in this row, similar to a church, but like smaller and it's not like microphone and things like that. It's more of like a, it's like a club meeting, but facing this guy. And George leans over and goes, uh, here's your hymnal. Like, all right. And he opens his hymnal and flashbacks again. He's like, I know these songs. Like, this is, you know, these are hymns. He looks closer. These hymns have been modified to be a, to be blasphemous. So they're taking like, you know, the old rugged cross type stuff and just slipping in just like, you know, how good is it? He died type stuff. You know, just playing yeah. with the words. And then they just they just start singing. You know, someone's playing this like retro organ up the front and everyone's kind of singing. He's like, oh, geez, all right. Like, it's the same, still the awkward yeah, sounds, like, or, like organ lady that's traditionally playing in the church. I don't think it's like Harley that Strong. 80 year old. Like I think younger, more successful. Okay. <laughs> Not as possessive of the church, the organ. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they share it around. <laughs> They've got a roster. <laughs> and and so they're playing and he's like man we're singing these songs and he's feeling a bit awkward he's like you know he's growing up going to church he's like he's feeling the blasphemy at this point he's like okay and george is kind of walking him through what's going on he's like listen singing these songs and like these blasphemous songs it pleases the spirits that's why that's why we do it so it was it was just to um make the spirits happy yeah it wasn't really they enjoyed seeing it you'd say like traditionally at the church we would you would sing that's a good question couldn't tell you, uh, Roger doesn't include a How certain... seriously? Like, I came from, like, Pentecostal. Sounded so. serious. Like, okay. a seri- they, they, they're not joking. They're, like, seriously singing these songs. Yeah, right. It's not like a, a piss take. Okay. It's not like... <laughs> yeah, like... It's like... No, no, we're seriously, like, blaspheming. Yeah, It's okay. like, we, we, we... It's more like we hate church. Mm. And we, you know, hate God, I suppose. And these songs are about God. We want to sing them to Lucifer. Or against God. So, yeah, it's not, he doesn't get joke vibes. No. And goes through the service and this, this guy up the front kind of says a few things, talking about like these vague plans. He's not paying attention at this point. He's just kind of looking around, taking it all in. Can't really remember what's going on. And then George, they, they kind of finish up and George is still giving them the tour. And he, he goes, you want to go down to the worship room of the gods? And uh, Roger and Roland are like, I guess. <laughs> that was weird, but <laughs> let's, how far does this rabbit hole go? Let's go. And they walk into like another room, like big staircase down. Like, this house is just huge. And he's, he's talking about this chandelier. Like he's talking, he's seeing gold, like real gold inlaid in things, like ornaments that are just, he's like looking at like, that's, that's definitely real gold. And he's seen the most beautiful chandelier he's ever seen. Just massive as the staircase comes down. It's, it's on the side there. And the light grows dimmer underneath here. You know, it's got that chandelier, the dim glow. And along the walls are these portraits, like big kind of portraits of people. And George is still giving the tour. And he's like, these are like our spirits and the master when they manifest in human form, we've, drawn them as the human form that they manifested as right. and these are like very handsome looking successful mostly men maybe there's the old woman in there right. but mostly men you know distinguished gentlemen and he's looking at them and like these are 
like captivating. He's just going, I'm like, it's a beautiful portrait of like a clearly captivating Mm. looking person. And now he's working out, oh, Jesus, like what the devil looks like in when he comes amongst us. Right. So they're not like, I guess the stereotype would be, be looking at like horns no, and things like that, no. but we're looking at just people stunning. So for someone that has, doesn't in the context of a fallen angel was once, well, you would still would, it was once a, a, a beautiful being and it hasn't lost that beauty. Yes. It's just that change at spiritual choice or whatever. And now it's, yes. So it's this still is still dark and evil, but it's still beautiful. How it was originally designed. Yes. The beauty comes across and, and George is always kind of letting him in on that. Lucifer is that fallen angel, but like, you know, he's telling a story of when he's, when like the high priest of this satanic church, you know, had a vision from one of these fallen angels. He was like blinded. He like couldn't see. So exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's like the beauty of the angels, but in the, in a, in a terrible way, I suppose. It's like completely different, but with that same beauty. Mm. You know, it's it's just not your, your your yuck evil, you know, that you would generally think of like an evil horned devil. Right. And at, at this point, um, he turns to them and, and he goes, he's looking around and you can see they're looking at all the gold in the room. And he goes, listen, the, his thought was cr- creeping into, into um, Roger's mind. And he's going, there's always a cost to something. How does it, how do you get this rich? And then you know, he starts to feel a bit afraid because he's like two levels underground in this in this room. He's like full of like powerful people, and you know, there's no real way out. He's at the mercy of this George guy who he's only met you know one time, who's told him, "No, I've had a vision to to be." It's all kind of clicking for him, but I don't know. They've he's giving him the subtle elbow of like George's. <laughs> he's just like, "Where's the ticket out?" But then you get in the sense that like I don't also don't want to mess with these people because mm. it's like real world power. You know, and, and George, George Lynn's name goes, you're both in the right place. No one is invited into this secret society unless they've been invited directly by the spirit. And you, Roger, and you, Roland, have been invited. So that's heavy. He kind of sits with him. He's like, all right, come back next week. Let's, let's continue. And then, you know, we, we want you part of the society. You know, let's continue going. So is there any initiation rights? Roger's not aware of that. Not aware. Okay. Not aware. This is just, you know, they're easing him in with the, check this out, check out my massive house. Mm. And they're, they're, they're intrigued. They seem like nice people, a bit of fear in there, a bit weird. But because of all the seances, I guess, you know, they're a bit desensitized. It's, you know, this weird stuff's more normalized. And so week after week, they keep going on these Wednesday nights. George keeps picking them up and then bonds grow. And one week they're doing their worship service in the same room and they select five volunteers from, so this is some of the stuff that would happen during these services and they select five volunteers and, and, you know, people put their hands up and they come out the front and they go, you're volunteering. Like you want to be possessed by one of our, our spirits, the spirits of the master. And, uh, you know, five people are like, Oh yeah, pick me, pick me. People don't seem that scared. They're like, Oh, that'd be awesome. Like, let's do it. And they're all standing there in a line and the high priest going, okay, we're going to call in the spirits now and let's see what they have to say to, say, say to us. And, and the first man, he's standing there. Then all of a sudden, eyes glaze. Like this guy is like tripping now, just standing there. And then his voice starts to change into like a French accent, um, like a more of a French accent because they're in, French, they're in like French Canada. Mm. So it's a different French accent and everyone kind of picks that up. We wouldn't know, <laughs> but they do. 
because they're <laughs> French Canadian. We're ignorant Australians. <laughs> That's right. Not English, mate. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't speak Australian. <laughs> so, so he's is a different accent. Like clearly, it's a bit speaking a bit more regally too. Like, yeah. And it turns out that this guy has channeled the spirit, the spirit counselor of Napoleon. Yes. Spirit counselor. Yes. Of Napoleon. Of Napoleon. So this this guy, the guy that informed the spirit that informed Napoleon. That's right. That's right. Jeez. And so I guess know some good strategy. That's right. Not good enough to win at the certain battle, whatever where it was. Was it? I need to fact check me on this. Waterloo. No, no, it's not Waterloo, is it? You're you're out of, out of history. I'm out. But a battle he eventually lost. I guess we know. Is it Waterloo? Waterloo sounds familiar. But I wouldn't put it past it being like civil rights era. I know. <laughs> the Battle of Waterloo for like the I have to Civil War there. America. Uh, so you can sound smart Waterloo. when I edit down on yeah, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or I leave this in. Matt's Googling everybody. Waterloo. Got it. Battle of Waterloo, 18th of June, 1815. Okay. So it was Napoleon. Yeah. So at, I guess at his, uh, Napoleon's spirit counselor would have possessed Napoleon on and off. You know, and so this guy, I guess, is speaking as if he is Napoleon, because I guess at some point he was, because he possessed Napoleon, um, killed a lot of people, so it might explain something there. You know, being I still think he's a shitty counselor. I'm like, if you're that smart, Wellington, hey. the guy who was fighting, he could have beaten him. Maybe Napoleon... he could have told him about the really bad winter that they encountered when they went into Russia. Pissed him off, or maybe Napoleon didn't. Listen. Those guys were like frozen solid, and the guy doesn't have any like fucking weather conditions that he can like at well, least let this guy know of. Maybe these are the these are the questions that they asked Napoleon in the room. Hey, why did you fail? Because he's now Napoleon, and everyone in the room is asking him questions. Right? You know, maybe on strategy. Maybe that's one of them. Naysayer Matt's in there. Why'd you lose, you idiot? <laughs> And then the demon gets like real pissed off. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Matt, sorry, shut up. <laughs> he didn't listen, all right? Napoleon, short man, real stubborn. <laughs> and so everyone's asking him strategies and Roger's real convinced that this is Napoleon. It's like, it's clearly not that guy's voice once again. Clearly an accent he's never done before. Um, and then they're asking him some questions and then he, they finish up. Man, glaze look kind of finishes, goes on to the next man. Eyes glaze, he's channeling someone else now. And this guy he's channeling, real niche market here, but the current mayor at the time, 1950s, 1960s, the current mayor of Montreal, he's channeling him. But he's alive. I don't get it. That's right. So he's impersonating this guy. And I guess the connection is the spirit possesses the counselor. So this is the spirit that is working on this mayor. So it's like, that's why I say it's spirit counselor, because if you're the mayor and I'm the spirit counselor, I'm next to you, possessing you, advising you, you're alive, but I'm, you know, converting you. Right. And I will get to that point in a minute. Like, oh, but he's alive. So he's, he's telling the mayor and there's a historian there as well. who's like following politics quite closely. Now he's grilling this mayor counselor and he's saying, oh, can you, um, can you recite the speech? on this particular date that that mayor gave because there's controversy around it. I want to know exactly what he said. Obviously the time before TVs, mm. so he, you know, the paper might've misreported it. He wanted to know exactly what was going on. And this spirit can't answer the question. And he's like, bear with me. I wasn't there on that day doing that sort of thing. Let me get the bloke who was. 
or the buddy who was and um, steps away. Guy like glazes kind of wakes up again, but then back into a trance again. And another guy with a, with sounding slightly different, just picks up and answers the question that he was saying. And the historian seems satisfied. This guy asking questions in the crowd, he seems satisfied. He's like, okay. Yeah. Like that answers a lot. Only, only someone who was there and in intimate circles would know the information that they're giving. And so that's kind of the evening. That's the program. These people kind of get possessed by these historical Sounds pretty figures. entertaining, to be honest. <laughs> I, I want to talk to this spirit guy from Napoleon. I've got plenty of questions. <laughs> plenty of questions. I've got Google and a smart mouth. <laughs> I'm ready for you, demon. Demon, don't mess. Don't mess with the demons, Matt. I know you start cross-examining me. I'm like, don't. <laughs> don't. Just what Google said. <laughs> and so, you know, this section of the program ends up. So and you're going to... This part I've included specifically for you, Matt. Right? He's, he's giving a sermon now, this high priest. And he's... Is there any music in the background? No. Let's say light, light organ, E minor. <laughs> and he's giving his sermon, but these sermons just seem, they seem to be like the devil disclosing like intimate master plans to like the good guy because he thinks he's got him. You know, like the villains holding his gun to James Bond. It's like, oh, and James Bond's like, but how'd you do it? And the villain's like, well, here was my master plan. And they kind of divulge oh, everything. Right, yeah. That's what these sermons seem to be a little bit like. Like he's, they're given the plans. And so this high priest is talking about how the biggest deception of all, and this kind of comes to your point you mentioned before, the biggest deception of all that the devil is laying amongst everybody is that we have an eternal soul. Yeah. And, and so it's like, yeah, he's like, he's doing the playbook for the secret society. Here's what the devil's up to. And he's like, and guess what? All Christians believe this, that we have an eternal soul, that when you die, you go to heaven. And the devil's stoked on this. And he's sounding like, you know, really proud that this is, this is what happened. For thousands of years, Matt, this has been a belief, you know, you know, they're looking down from you in heaven. He's saying that the devil made that happen. Mm. Right. <clears throat> and then freaking Matt Potts is sitting at the back there. And Matt Potts raises his hand and says, hang on, all you said all Christians, high priest. I just want to clarify, Adventists. They're not the only soul sleepers. Well, this guy seemed to be in the impression on this book I've read, <laughs> this guy said, Adventists don't believe that. And then the high priest kind of takes a double take. He's like, all right, you're correct. The Adventists. Do not believe this, but I mean, there's so so few of them. It really doesn't matter, man. We've got we got Catholicism, we got ninety percent, ninety five percent of mainline Protestantism. We're we're killing it. Um, but you are correct, and in fact, you know, we don't like to talk about it because Adventists are the one group that we demons just still can't deceive. Wow, and this belief seems to be central to that because they don't believe. So Adventists don't believe that you go to heaven when you die. They believe, you know, you're sleeping until Jesus comes back. So mm. when you're dead, you're dead. That's the Adventist belief. Turns out in this, Adventists have overcome this devil devil trickery. So, you know, Roger's sitting there going, Adventists, right. Goes to the back of his mind. It's a word that's in his mind now. He's mulling it over. Didn't really think much of it. He's like, who is Adventist? I don't know. Never heard that word before. And... So he's continuing going to these meetings and he's meeting up with the high priest every now and then as well. He kind of gets to know the high priest. Um, I just want to know what these types of people are like. like. Are they just like nerdy people? Are they like- No, these are, these are like, okay, so let me tell you that. 
Um, we're talking high profile lawyers mm, working right. for big banks. We're talking um, like Wall Street bankers. Yeah, right. We're talking the highest of society are the people in these meetings. The most successful in society are in these meetings. They're not just a bunch of weird nerds, emo kids sitting around with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because because remember at the beginning he was saying like this is the real power. The other thing, the seances, it's just a show. Yeah. And so that links to what you were saying before when you're like, oh, but this mayor's alive. This is what the high priest, you know, over the meetings has divulged. He said, those seances where you're talking to the dead, nah, you're not talking to the dead. You're just talking to us spirits who are having a good time. Mm. We know your loved ones. We know what they sound like. We know everything about them. So we just pretend to be them. You know, it's a bit of a par- parlor trick, gets you in, intrigued, all that sort of stuff. But it's part of the deception. You know, people believe that and then they get sucked in because they, you know, they love, they want to connect with their loved ones. But in fact, they're connecting with the dark angels, you know, the master, as they keep calling him. And as, um, so there's always like really successful people. And as he's meeting with the high priest every now and then in his, like in his office, um, he goes to, you know, where the high priest kind of hangs out, does his work, I guess. It's not where he lives. And, you know, a lawyer works there as well. It must be a co-working space for these, for this, for this group of people. Just and, a big Illuminati eye on this, this yeah, thing that we'll go no, into. Small, it's small. Yeah, small in the corner. In the corner, yeah. And he walks in and get this. He's, he's, he's meeting with the high priest because they're talking now about, okay, it's time for your initiation. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm keen for this bit. Don't be too keen. <laughs> It's, it's time for your initiation. And uh, they're chatting and they go, October 31st. October, yeah, Halloween, 31st, yeah. Right. I'm Australian, I'm unsure. 31st? Oh, 30th or 31st? I'm pretty sure it's 31st, but 31st could be 30th. Um, and as he's going up to the high priest's offices, where his office is, he walks past- 31st. 31st. He walks past where the- this lawyer that he's run into every now and then, high-profile lawyer, real rich, and he walks past where he's working. It's this big room full of typewriters. Not a soul in there. I actually remember this part. It's imprinted on my soul. And the typewriters are just typing. And Roger looks closer and he's like, what, what are they typing as he's kind of there? And it's, it's law briefings. And the lawyer, you know, sees he's looking. He's like, oh, yeah, like, I've got too many clients for just me. You know, and so I need a bit of help. So I've got, these are all spirits just typing away. And the typewriter, he notices typewriters go, you know, uh, I guess the thing moves right to left, but the writing's going left to right. And then it just drops down a line and goes back. So it's doubly efficient typewriting because it just doesn't, they don't have to reload it. It's just going Mm. down the page like a snake. And he's he's a bit freaked out at this. He's like, friggin' it. And the lawyer's like, oh yeah, like I'm, they're doing, they're working on legal cases for all my clients. You know, they know the briefs better than I do. I just present the briefs, spirit fills me in and I brief them on whatever's coming up. Anyway, he moves past this, goes into the high priest's office and they're discussing, you know, when, when are you going to do it? The, the ceremony and Rogers at this point, this, this thing's always stuck with him. He's like, bit uncomfortable. Something's just a bit off, but he's like, okay, yeah, October 31st, I can do the commitment ceremony. It's a serious big deal. You're in the secret society. No one ever leaves the secret society, man. No. If you leave, you're dead. And if, you, if you're dead, you're dead. There's no spirit world. There's no eternal soul, Matt. Mm. So he goes, okay, well, I guess, you know, but he's gone. All right. This lawyer has, you know, 
spirit's working for him. Mm. Some people are really richly successful. The jazz musician says the spirits, he's like, can I get anything? Like, can these spirits help me in any way? And the high priest goes, yeah, I mean, what do you want? He's like, well, I, I don't mind gambling. It's like, done. On your way. He's like, well, done. Like gambling? Yeah, you'll have help. Okay, then. So that night, he's in bed and has this really vivid dream about the horse racing. And he wakes up with three names of horses. And he's like, I think I need to bet on these horses. So he goes down to the TAB of Montreal, the TAB, <laughs> whatever they bet, bet in. It's not going to be as bogan as <laughs> Walks into the tab. Hey, yeah. Scotty. Yeah, Steve. Good to see you, mate. 20 on. Get on this, on this. Uh, bail. You want bail the dogs? dogs? Nah, nah. The horse, mate. The horses are right. <laughs> well, yeah. What are the odds? The trots. <laughs> Is that, what, is that what they call? I've, right. I've spent some time in the tab. So. <laughs> you must have. Yeah. I had a net tab account. So yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Internet marketing gets this guy on the... You're on their books. There you go. And so he's he walks up to the bookie. He's like, all right, um, you know, you know, it's $19.50. Dollars are worth more than they are now. And, you know, 20 bucks on this random horse. And he's like, mm, this one's got 20 to 1 odds. Long odds, but it's the name I've got. Bangs another 50 on there. Watches the race. The horse with the 20 to 1. All these horses come in top. And then one with 20 to 1 odds gives him gives him like 500 to 1,000 bucks. You know, like a lot of money. He's like, oh, wow. This is amazing. I can now just clean up. And that day he just walks out, walk, goes and buys a $200 suit. He's like, I've got so much money now. And so for the next little while, as you know, the month's looming with this ceremony coming, but he's just hitting the bookies. And he walks in one day and the bookie just looks at him and he's like, the bookie just looks at him and he's like, no way, bud. I was going to say mate, but no, mm. Canada. No way, buddy. I'm sorry, but no way. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's, he's like, I'll give you a list. How Canadian's this? You can't bet here. I'll give you a list of literally every other bookie, but you're not betting here. And if you do bet here, probably his enemies. You won't get away with it. Yeah. Like, Fuck this bookie. <laughs> yeah. I hate him. I hate him. So he's like, and so Roger's like, oh, this guy's a bit serious. He's friendly, yeah. giving him a tip, but he's like, I won't push my luck. Thank you. I'll go bet somewhere else. But he, that's how he's making his money. Just dreaming bets and just cleaning up the this demon or spirit or whatever. is just hooking him up. And, that that goes on for the last couple of months before this, this ceremony. The week before this ceremony comes, uh, Roger starts a new job. I guess he's getting bored of just winning all the time and oh, I'll do some work. As you do. As you do. I would too. Or he's pissing off too many bookies. He's like, go to bed. Or maybe he's worried that like the IRA... Uh, IRA? No, that's the, the Republican Army of yeah, no, IRS. 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 Internal Revenue Service. That's right. He's Maybe he's like, oh, I need a revenue stream. I better look legit. So he gets a job and he's embroidery, you know, just selling stuff, embroidery. And he's working next to another bloke. And, you know, Roger's like selling stuff. It's missing stitches in his new job. He's like, oh, fuck. Like swearing. Hmm. And as he puts it, which is a, a sign of the times, Calling down the saints. Yeah. It's like, I think that's what swearing used to be, like cursing the saints, you know? Um, I still don't get it. That, I think like swearing was like, you know, like, God damn it. Like, oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Calling down the saints. Like, yep. and that's what he was saying. You're giving the saints a hard time. It's not my error. So bad thing to be doing, but probably commonplace in this working place. And you notice the guy next to him never, 
He just, you know, if it stuffs up, he just fixes it. Real calm guy. He's like, what's your deal? What's, what's going on? And they get chatting, they get to know each other. And he's going, oh, yeah, I noticed you, you know, you're calling down the saints a lot. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I noticed you don't. He's like, yeah, I mean, what's the point? You know, I'm, I'm a patient man. I just, I just fix it and keep going. And anyway, as they get to know each other, finds out this guy is an Adventist. Ding, 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 ding. Hang on. I've heard that somewhere before. Suddenly, Roger is very curious. Like, Adventist. Heard that before. Comes back to him. That's the Christian religion that these demons hate the most. It has the truth. Well, potentially. He doesn't know that yet. <laughs> and so he's really curious and he's like, hmm, tell me more. And as at work, they're getting conversations. And then in the end, this new friend of his, new buddy of his, goes, you, know, if you, you seem pretty curious. Why don't you come do some Bible studies? And he knew. Roger knew. This is something he couldn't do. He knew that this would real piss off his, his secret society demon buds. But he was too curious. And, and that thing inside of him was like, no, I've got to do this. I'm, not, I, I'm, wor- I'm kind of worried about this, this commitment ceremony, whatever it entails. And so he's like, all right, let's do it. And the ceremony is at the end of the week. And he begins doing Bible studies and he, he'll get there at seven o'clock at night. And he's just saying, he just, he just loved it. He just ate up the Bible study. He's like into all these doctrines and things that Adventists would really love to hear me talk about right now, but I'm going to skim right over. Cause that's a lot <laughs> of the book. It's like, here's why this, and here's why your body's a temple and here's the state of the dead. And, and drop charts of Daniel revelation, Daniel revelation, yep. you know, the end Time times, lines. 2,300 um, years, 1844. Yeah, you could keep going on that. That's yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's he's like, it's it's lining up with his demon worship. He's like, oh, these guys must have the truth because it's almost like in all those Bond villain moments of the high priest giving, letting everyone in on Satan's plans. He's like, this is ex- this is like exactly, it's lining up. And, you know, the state of the dead and he's backing it up with the Bible. And he's really intrigued. But he's expecting, he's like, I'm not going to live to the end of the week because I'm going to these Bible studies and they surely know, the evil, the demon spirits surely know and they really hate these people. But next night comes around, he goes to Bible studies again and the, this family, this, this guy and his wife are a bit taken aback, like, this guy's keen. Mm. But, you know, a soul's a soul. <laughs> oh, no, they would have been excited. A, a not eternal soul is a not eternal <laughs> yeah, soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll take a him. breath is a breath. A breath <laughs> is a breath. A... Uh, a soul for after the sleep and wake up for God later is a... Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And so they're, you know, 11 o'clock at night. They're doing studies back to back. And then the ceremony day comes. And it goes. He misses it. And he's just doing... <clears throat> he's just doing Bible studies at this point. And he gets home one night after about a week of Bible studies. And he sees this note on his door. And it's from his buddy Roland. It's like, call me. And it's like, just freaking call me. So he, he, um, he opens the door. He's like, oh, I gotta call my mate. And he's like, he's got something in his mind that he learned in Bible study. He's like, mm, I really want to just get my head around this. And I'll give him a call. It's like midnight, you know? And so he opens, he opens his Bible now at this point and he's got these notes and stuff that, um, he's jotted things down on. And as he opens his Bible, this note just like hovers, just 
up like chest height in front of the book. And then it just slams down onto the book and the book hits the floor and then the book hits the floor to the wall and just flies across and knocks a lamp off. And he is not scared, funnily enough, because he's expecting this. He knows the spirits would be pissed, but he has this like sense of calm, I suppose, even though a book just <laughs> flew across the room and he's like, he picks it up and he's you know, looking at it, reviewing it and then bang, it happens again. He's like, oh, all right. Right. And he knows, he's like, I'm not going to engage with the spirit. That's his, that's his thing. He's like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to talk to them. That's what they want. So he calls his, his buddy Roland like 2 a.m. at this point. And he's calling him and Roland's like, what the hell are you doing? The high priests know. Everyone knows that you're studying with those bloody Adventists. And you, do you even care about me? Like, where, you're in danger. You're in danger. Like, and, and, and Roland's like, listen, I'll explain it to you tomorrow. Come over. I'll, let, me, let me explain it to you. And Roland's like oh, pissed off, like real pissed at his mate, that he, at his buddy, sorry, that he got in there. And he, Roger's like, all right, I just want to go to bed. It's late. So he goes to bed and he's drifting off. And as soon as he turns off the light, goes to bed, bang, light on. And he's like, oh, there's spirits again. Gets up, turns the light off, goes back to bed, bang, light on again. Some banging and windows and a gust of wind flies mm. through and just crazy stuff's happening. And he's like, a just. Lot of, a lot of this is. Really common in poltergeist activity. Well, you would know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm unfamiliar. And so for me, this is very uncommon place. (laughs) And for Roger, though, he expects it. And at this point, he's a bit exasperated with this spirit. He's like, you know what? I'll sleep with the light on. Don't care. So he gets some rest. And then the next day, Roland. Roland comes over. And... um. He, Roland's pissed still. He's like, you, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, you, like you're not going to live, mate. Like, these guys are going to end you. And he's like, the high priest has put a $10,000 hit out on you. And Roland, like, I guess filled with this newfound confidence of this new, the truth of his beliefs. He knows the truth now. He knows that these are the, these are the spirits of Satan. And he knows that God now is on his side and he is, God is more powerful. So he's got his like faith in there and he's like, he's like, and at this point he's feeling real, that confidence of like a freshly converted, like, you know, I've done the Bible studies, I'm equipped. Mm. And he says back to, he says back to his buddy Roland, he's like, you tell them that the moment I die, they're all finished. If they touch me, it's over for them. I don't know what, he's just like feeling that. So that's what it you know, just firing back. And he tries to say, listen, Roland, like, let me explain it to you. Let me show you something in the, in the word here, Roland. doesn't want a bar of it. And he's like, mate, good luck. Slams the door, gone. From then on, on and off, these spirits are just annoying him. Just, just on and off. And he says the moment that, you know, they finally left him alone. It was just the same because like winds rushing through, lights, like lamps breaking, footsteps outside his door. He'd open the door, no one there. Very common. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then he's like slamming the door. And anyway, one day he's like, you know, he casts out this demon spirit and he's, you know, he's calling on the name of Jesus and he's like, you know, get out of here. There's no place for you here. Jesus is here. You're not here. Get out. And the demon spirit is like, like 
it just right everything's just rattling off the walls and then the door to his house just opens like bang slams open does solid damage as it gets slammed open and then from that moment on nothing roger's free and continues to be a part of the adventist church for the rest of his days and writes a book that is the book <laughs> It's sort of like a bit of anti like, and I was hoping for you know some angel battle coming in. Me too. Like, I know it could have been so Marvel. Me too. But it's invisible, so it's I guess you can't see door. it. Yeah, slam doors, lights. It seems like emo. Be pretty freaky though. Oh, totally. I wouldn't know about you, but hundred percent. I would be wetting my pants. Anything supernatural. I hear a creak at night. I'm like, <laughs> What's that? it's interesting. Mm. Interesting. So. Roger goes on to become a prolific, I guess, representative of the yeah. church. Yeah. And um, I mean, going back through, it's been quite a long time since I listened to his story, but so I wasn't you there, are familiar with this story. Parts of it. Yeah. Like parts okay. of it I'd forgotten parts of it. You were just refreshing me, but I remember okay. one part that he also talks about the Sabbath, right? Is that correct? Probably. Yeah. I think if you watch his YouTube. Interview, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I skipped all the doctrine stuff. Right. Because okay. the book reads a lot like like a fan fiction propaganda machine for yeah. Adventist doctrine. Like it, it's almost like written backwards from Adventist doctrine. So I grow up Adventist. I'm like yeah. like this is a, like this either proves that Adventists are 100% correct about literally everything that they believe 110%. Yeah. Or this book is written to fit that now. And so, cause it's all like, you know, and the Sabbath day is so important and the devil's like angry that the Sabbath day and then yeah. Sunday law, I kind of deliberately skipped that, but if you want to, if you want to fill it in. Yeah. 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 If you believe it to be relevant. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just in the sense that I remember that about the whole, because the set of the dead and Sabbath are very distinctive Adventist things. So it's just yes, like, they're the two, two. Um, and, and it's role in the end times. Yes. Like from memory, this has just came up from memory, but he believed, because Adventists believe at the end that there's going to be a judgment and there's going to be like, Jesus will return and people like the earth will be like, will be consumed with fire as people like the Adventists that are living in the end times go away. And there's like a thousand years. But I think the spiritualists also had like some form of like remedy for this whole situation. They were oh, going to really? protect themselves from the fire. Oh, they're going to build like a city. Someone that's they? listening to the podcast can fat. Maybe the Adventist person listening can know. This liberal Adventist has got no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I'm curious. I remember when I suggested for you to read it. Yeah. I'm really curious. Were you you compelled? Like, were you drawn in? Was there any part of you that had like, oh shit. Like I've, this liberal stuff that I'm into is just not good enough. And I've just, I've just missed, like, you know, I've missed it. There's the moment when you read it and you go... Because, you know, I'm trying on this idea, you know, and it's close to home. You know, it's in my wardrobe even. I just didn't know that garment was there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's in there. And so I try it on and I go, there's these moments where I go, you know, if I'm wrong about all this stuff, you know, like, because, you know, the book talks about, you know, how mysticism, oh, it's coming for you through Mm. mysticism. And they're going to fool you through like, they don't say the Hillsong music, but essentially they're talking about drums and tongues tongues and all this stuff yeah. that, you know, I've grown up in the liberal arm. According to this doctrinal biography, <laughs> that's a new category. Or it's like an autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, that's the devil like fooling you. So if I'm reading this, you know, there's that moment being like, well, if this is true, I'm screwed. Mm. And it's also like the thing that you, that I internalize that I know all too well, as much as I like, this is a bit outside my wheelhouse. I'm like, I didn't really grow up believing exactly this, but it was like filtered through to me through like certain beliefs and stuff. There's a thing where it's like, don't touch a Ouija board. Mm. Do not go see a medium. And so when I read this book, I'm like, there's parts of this book that are still inside of me. Mm. Where it's like, scary. Like if, because it's the whole, like, if you open your, this is like the horror story that they tell. This is the, this is the Adventist horror story. Yeah. If you open your door to this, Matt, devil's got access. And you understand when I started speaking in tongues and someone that doesn't understand what's happened, my testimony when I left the church and that happened to me. Yeah, that's right. You understand now the level of anxiety. Because now the devil's got you and yes. has access. And I don't know about you. That's but- why I asked the pastor to cast a demon out of me. You remember that? Yes, that's right. And that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas- a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Because that was like... That's a, honestly that if that's if this is true, this is free. This is a freaking scary universe. Yeah, because if the devil gets access through like what rock music, jazz music, um, wrong doctrine, going to church on Sunday, uh, the the list is quite extensive. Mm. But you know, if you're Adventist, you're cool. You're all good. Yeah, I don't know about liberal Adventists. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> um, like. That's scary. Like a book flying across the room would freak me the frig out. Yeah, yeah. Like what might be, I suppose, really comforting or helpful if this was the worldview that, that you had or when it was your worldview, mm. what's, what's, what's so good about it? Does it help in any way for anything? I think like someone like many people that are struggling in their faith, they're, they're trying to, they're constantly trying to, um, you know, reach out and externalize and grab hold of some of those like stakes in the ground. Cause you're always dealing with doubt. You're yeah. dealing like with all these questions, good people around you are dying. You're praying for them. Nothing's happening. Being faced with so many other different Christian yes. denominations. Who's right. There's a lot of it's a confusing landscape out yeah. there. You hear a story like this and it's like, Oh, I've come home. Tangible. It's, these are the stories you reach for when you're like really struggling in your faith. Right. That's what I found for myself. Right. You're reaching out and you're like... Comforting. <sighs> yeah. Like, and you really, it's just like you're outsourcing, as I'm saying. You, you constantly mm. have to outsource yourself to these, these stories. Potentially, you know, if you're wrestling in that state of mm. like doubt or whatever, you're like, well, how do I explain Roger's story? Mm. I've got no other framework outside of Adventism to explain Roger's story. Mm. Adventism must be correct. And as much as it's scary to believe in like these demons and everything, in a way, it's scarier not being able to face the devil. So in these stories, we know who he is, what he wants, how to avoid him and how to be safe and be protected Mm. by God. So I know now what to do to be protected from the devil. So that's pretty safe. That's Mm. That's in in a scary way. That's comforting, I think. Yeah. So I, yeah, I can see why that might be compelling. But then on the flip, we've already mentioned it's a scary world. What are these red flags that we're that we're like 
looking at as being like, as a worldview, when you try it on, what's not so great or helpful about this worldview in its entirety, I suppose? I think like how you would see it in the world is like the world isn't like... G'day, friends of the show. This conversation that has so beautifully faded out does in fact continue. But for our Plus subscribers who can access this on their Plus subscriber podcast feeds. So if you would like to hear how Matt and I work out, I suppose, what is true, what is false, and where we personally land the plane on this crazy story about demons and the devil and worshipping Lucifer, then head to ideasdigest.org and subscribe to become a plus subscriber, or as I like to call them, a super friend of the show. Each week, you'll get exclusive content, access to a private community where you can participate in members' Q&As, helping us shape the show each week as we prepare every episode. Now, subscribing is the best way to support your favorite show. I'm being presumptuous here, but I'm going to go with it. Another way to support your favorite show is to buy us a coffee. Once again, by heading to ideasdigest.org and buy us a coffee. Whatever you can afford to show us your support is very, very greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening and for your support, and I will catch everyone in the next episode.